to the pod. You're here with Reggie and Xavier, your host, and this is Sometimes You're the Frog. Hello, um, we're here in the pot today with interdisciplinary artist, curator, educator, musician, Jada Amina, based out of Chicago, born and reared on the South Side. Um, we're gonna get into it. How are you? Hi. Oh, okay, I'm unmuted. Um, I'm well, it's like, a kind of dreary day in Chicago. I'm kicking it around the crib, excited to speak with my loved ones. We're excited as well. Um, we're happy to have you. Hell yeah. And, uh, you know, what's going on? Are you okay? Um, these COVID days are so weird. I, I think life has been going pretty well, you know, despite this sort of like global crisis that we're in. Um, I like, to my knowledge, have not had COVID and I don't have too many loved ones that have like had COVID. So that's a super big blessing, you know. Um, but times are weird as hell. So just trying to like do my best to take care of me and like make sure, you know, the people I love are good. How about y'all? Y'all look so hydrated and well. I'm gonna, yeah. Um, I've been cozy. I mean, me and Xavier, I mean, when I was in Chicago, me and Xavier were on the same routine every day. We just draw, watch TV, try to get reading in. Because, I mean, yes, as somebody who has had family that's been like, you know, super affected by everything that's going on, I'm still grateful for the fact that I'm in the crib. Like, and in the crib, I'm in the woodshed, as as some of you, as some of you know. How about you, Zoe? I've been okay. Uh, like everyone, it's had its moments of like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> what is really going on? But also, there's like moments. I feel I'm really comfortable right now. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Tang going with that on like a weekly basis is weird. Yeah, it's kind of in and out. Like, I mean, I think that some of these things, I know you all, so they might even like predate COVID, just like being like, ooh, what is really going on in this world? You know <laughs> what I mean? Um, which I think in many ways, makes us and maybe people that kind of relate to that moment those moments of being like Mr. Krabs mean I know that's like hella late and like a really dated meme but I feel like that like is an allegory like a visual allegory for our current state of affairs like really just being like what's going on it's kind of made us you know put us in our bag in a way because we're kind of already always already there or like preparing for like like shit is out of my control and like, I don't like it, like, you know. So yeah, I relate to to that. I'm grateful to be in the crib. I'm grateful to, you know, quite honestly, like, right, be able to 
collect unemployment right now <laughs> and like not risk my immunocompromised life by, you know, doing a job that would put me in grave danger. <laughs> As like Chicago of all places is on the, the rise. I'm like, what's wrong with y'all? What's happening? <laughs> like, why is the Chicago worse than other places that like we were so ahead? It's just, it's a weird thing. But yeah, grateful to be in the house, grateful to be, um, I feel in my bag. So I'm going to say that even though I'm like, wow, other people are going to see that. And yeah, I just feel like I'm in my bag. I can't, can't lie. I feel like I'm um, able to really like court myself and court my practice and um, really take space from things like people and like obligations that you don't necessarily serve me. So, you know, I'm trying to use this. And I said this like before when I did like a little Q and A that, um, that gets like tricky to say because so many people are going through it, but I'm just, I think it's not even about like, oh, this is such a blessed time. It's really like, I'm gonna, you know, work with what I got. So, yeah. I think that's the thing though, like this shit is super nuanced and like, of course, like, it's ugly outside. I mean, but it's, I don't know. I'm grateful to see my elders be present in a way that they have not been. Like seeing old folks not work is so like, I know in their head they're like, oh, what the fuck am I doing? But like, I'm like, yeah, ma, sit down. <laughs> like, yeah. and super blessed to be able to be surrounded around other people who like, I guess, are also just taking a break. And I know that this shit, like, I don't want to say that this shit is not affecting people because of course we understand that, but I'm like, like you said, I mean, I'm in my bag. Like I'm good. You know, I love that you all are drawing and have a practice. Like you all feel, I'm always impressed by both of you um, because you all are so, seem to be so regimented. I don't want to like project that, but like, I think you all do have regimens and like um, are, just like, I just really admire your studio practice and just like your daily practice, so. Thank you. It's a it's a fight being a person and also being an artist at the same time, but also mm -hmm. being in the global pandemic. It's weird. It's weird. Um, it's hard sometimes. And it's like really difficult sometimes to, be working on something that requires a sort of headspace, but then to also have to face everything else. And Absolutely, yeah. And like and when they say that art is a reflection of life, like I really beyond even just us looking at it, like the artists be going through shit. Stuff be happening. And that's where the the but yeah, it comes from. And I want to know what is working look like for Mina because that fucking film was brilliant, bruh. That joke was crazy. Thank you so much. Um, like when you said what you said about just like the artist be going through it, like, I mean, quite literally, there's a moment in the film where I'm like, I am at an extremely low point or low place. I think I say either one of them. Um, Cause yeah, I was so at an extremely low place and that footage is from 2018 and like 
So I'm sitting with like past selves. You know what I'm saying? There's like footage of me as a very young person, as a baby. Um, it's freaky. It's scary to see myself as this little being who is now, you know, who had no idea what I was walking into, like what life would look like. Um, you know, even looking back at my parents who like are no longer together and like them taking these vows. I'm kind of getting like spilling tea and like, so spoiler alert. For, for, but you I mean, that's what you all are listening for is to hear about the film. So I'll get into it, but not too much. Um, yeah, it's just sitting with a lot of um, a lot of hard truths, you know, and I think that's like I work with the archive so heavy. So I'm sitting with the past um, and that is really it, there's a haunting and I'm really interested in ghost image and um, you know, I guess like a sort of paranormal that I'm sort of unearthing when I go through the archive and I call it like mining, like throughout this whole process, I think I spent probably close to a hundred hours just really um, sitting through archives and going through YouTube, like, like obscure, like end of the earth type, you know, spaces to find what I found, which is like videos of Sandra Bland. And I mean, there's a lot, there's so much footage that I like really, you know, had to sift through. And even that like was overwhelming. And then when I got to my own family's personal archive, it became um, just a whole nother level of intensity. Like seeing like my great grandmother who passed when I was 10, like alive. And like, I think she was in her nineties then, um, you know, yeah, it's just, it's, it, it is, a profound blues and a, a profound um, truth. And I think the truth is like, is can be very hurtful. And like um, a lot of times I think in art, and I wouldn't say this is from an artist perspective, but more so from the perspective of like patrons or like viewers of art, you know, they're looking to art to escape. I think at times, like when I talk to like people who don't necessarily who don't consider themselves to be artists um I'm like no like this is a grief like I'm working this isn't necessarily therapeutic I mean I guess there well it is therapeutic but it's not therapy you know what I mean like I'm working through things but you know I'm it is a work it is a labor I mean not that therapy isn't but it is a labor that really doesn't there's not really an end in sight you know I could sit with there's so much more footage that isn't in that film um so yeah, it's it's rough in short. Like the process is rough. It's also beautiful and it also served as a bomb. Like there's also, you know, so much beauty in seeing myself as a young person and even seeing footage of myself from 2018. It's like, wow, you made it through that time because I, you know, at that time it was it was a I was at a very dark place as I said. Like, you know, didn't necessarily know how if there was going to be a me in 2020 and now we're in a pandemic like we're in the middle of a global health crisis and um perpetual social unrest and anti-blackness like still so i mean i think you said a lot but i think i could still you know what i mean i think a lot of what that labor that effort that energy i think that shows like or at least i feel it as i'm watching like i don't feel like I don't feel like I'm seeing a combination of images that like make a story, if that makes sense. I feel like I'm 
like I'm, I, it's like a, a glimpse into something. Like I feel, and maybe this is my personal connection to you and also being black and like, there's certain things that are gonna be more sharp, I guess, to me as a viewer. But I feel like there's a, beyond just it being raw, it feels like if I show this to someone, like they can receive something like, and I think that's the goal of most artists, but like they aren't just receiving something though. Like it's something more like, me and Reggie kind of darted around and talked about it briefly, just about the immediate things we felt. And I'll just, I don't even want to throw those out there. I kind of just want to know, like, mm -hmm. what, what is it if I show, like, someone who isn't Black, what is that for them? Okay, so, like, one of my engineers is white. <laughs> I think, well, maybe like an engineer and a half, like another person who I work on music with is white. Um, and I showed them because a lot of that, the footage, when I say engineer, I guess for viewers, like I'm in regards to like my music making, I'm working on an EP. So um, I'm kind of playing around with titles and I, I'm a working title for the EP might be, I'm not going to die, I'm going home like a shooting star or a variation of that. So those visuals and that sort of blues that I'm speaking to, um, the theology that I'm trying to build um, in that project is really going to be present in that sound that I'm creating, that I'm escaping. So I showed them the film <laughs> and they were immediately like, oh my God, like I've had talks like this at the dinner table with my family. I'm like, y'all are white men. That's crazy. I'm like definitely was not for you. <laughs> like. Um, most explicitly, it's not for, it's for us, you know what I'm saying? Um, but of course, like, um, I knew my viewership was going to be of that, but in terms of, in, there's my, my, I had black femmes, you know what I'm saying? Black non-binary people, black men, you know, people, black people, um, who knew who either are, you know, fit into those, the initial demographics that I stated um, of being black non cis men, um, but black men as well, you know, because you have a, everyone got a mama or a grandma or a sister or a loved one that, you know, so, um, but definitely just did not know how, what the reaction would be. I just kind of, and wasn't really invested in I guess that person, that was never my, um, my target. Like that's not who I had in mind. Let me just say that. Um, Cause I mean, all feedback is honestly very invaluable. And I, I felt like, wow, like, um, you know they had such a response and such an emotional response to the work that, um, yeah, I think your initial, what was your initial question? Cause I think like, I just like immediately thought of them but I wanna make sure I'm answering it. Yeah, so they, I mean, yeah. I think it there's something to it that while it's made or mm -hmm. was intended for us, mm -hmm. like it has a quality that is universal, I feel like. 
it didn't feel like it it definitely felt very very black like that was some black shit that i just consumed and enjoyed but it didn't feel like you were saying this is some black shit like yeah it felt like no this is i, I am me and i am black but this is a human experience happening like like and you know beyond words like everyone's human experience is different which is yeah yeah us but i think there's like just on first let me on first watch like there's this almost primal like i feel this like i see my grandmother type shit and that's more leaning more into the black shit because like there's literally right but even like this this the initial response was like i've had like this reminds me it makes me miss my grandmother and you know um well that's what film should do that's what image should do that's what art should do you know um and that makes me that's like obviously affirming and it's really not me like i don't feel like i need to toot my own horn like the work is like i am so i'm such a holy roller <laughs> Like to be me is to be a holy roller and to be like, it's God, you know, I know didn't nobody do it but God. That's really how I feel. Like it is, it is a, um, a work beyond me. I feel like it is definitely a spiritual calling, um, to tell stories, um, you know, across medium, um, truly, um, and yeah, that's what I'm doing. It is really a testimony of, of, of a human experience. And my specific one is um, growing up and being rendered black female, you know, um, that, you know, being assigned female at birth and, and, and being perceived and, um, you know what I'm saying, treated in the treatment of being black and feminine um, and in a female body is, is one that is my own. But, you know, mental health, mental health is universal, you know, uh, it affects us in a universal sense. Um, and you touched on something that got me really up, like this sort of like screaming, like, I'm black. Like it's giving, I'm black, y'all, I'm black, y'all. I'm black. It's not giving that, you know what I'm saying? Um, Cause I know it. I've been black my whole life. I didn't just become black in 2020. You know, I didn't just become black when black, I've, I'm black as fuck. And not just black, but black American. Um, and what a particular experience that is. Uh, what a damned experience that is. And so um, I think, and, and how, how are we rendered and um, this sort of, mythology around blackness is very much so rooted in a supernatural and mind you i know that i believe you know sojourn truth we going home like we're going to the cosmos i do believe that i'm also i'm was raised in an Afrofuturist household. So that's really important to me and that sort of understanding, but that is a an intimate understanding that is not, and that's not, that's not what it's giving when we are, the mythology around blackness and public purview is not uh, rooted in a sort of spiritual understanding of blackness as something that um, is liminal, that is expansive. It's actually quite limited. It renders us three-fifths, you know what I'm saying, unhuman. And I'm not making art for white people. So I don't have to say, this is black, I am black. If you black, just like y'all watched it and was like, absolutely, this resonates. That's my grandma, that's me. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm not 
don't need to constantly, this isn't an episode of Blackish, you know what I'm saying? This is not, I'm not trying to like give y'all, I'm not talking to white people. I'm really not. I'm having an intimate conversation with with me, you know what I'm saying? Really, I'm having intimate conversation with me, with my love, with my family members, you know, um, and the rest of y'all. But, you know, yeah, that's really important to me. Um, And I I mean, it gets tricky too, because it is, um, it's a very thin line to walk, especially when you're using imagery um, of Black pain and Black suffering. Like, and representational Black art already is like, that like it's a really tricky space for me to like traverse because um we this world is so cannibalistic and like black folks are at the center of that um so i'm not trying to like create a food source for like cannibals (laughs) we're like okay let me consume this black trauma let me this fuels me i'm so inspired by (laughs) it's not giving that you know um this is a real human experience so that i really love that you said that like um Mm -hmm. i have such a problem with a lot of like specifically like television shows and even like films um that i see that i'm like but y'all didn't have to say this to me like y'all are literally like teaching non-black folks how to be good allies and i have no interest in that that's not but that's the thing that's really interesting about the film's format not only aesthetically but conceptually is that it adheres itself to certain cultural aesthetic practices like the call and response is there you know you see the silhouette is there and there's so many areas as to which like folks can like project themselves into but the specificity around that projection is I think is what's really interesting there. Cause I know that you are a collage artist and I know that that projection is the base of, you know, when we talk about Douglas's work, when we talk about like, you know what I'm saying? Even if you want to get into like Robert, you know, like any of them old bald niggas in New York that was making artwork, you know, like it, it taps into that lane in such a specific way that I think is like super fruitful because you're right. Like, you know, we all know that there is a black art, uh, a a black art, I guess what I want to say, trend um, to establish iconography around rather it be pain, rather it be, you know, certain aesthetic choices, rather be clothes shit. And I'm like on a baseline level, you know, we're talking about some human shit. And on some human shit, these experiences are specific enough that just them coming out of your mouth grounds them in that tradition. And I think that the film is like aware of that, aware of it so much so that when you start to do your reverses, when you start to recontextualize certain things as they make their way back around the film, you know, it feels exactly like where it comes from. It feels like gospel, you know what I'm saying? It feels like the sample and I guess I'm curious, could you speak to, you know, where you see this line up with your, I guess, interests? Because I know that you love art. So your interests, not only in your own histories, you know, things that you wanted to reflect, but also like, what, where do you like, you know, like place yourself in your family tree of makers, you know, like, who are you in conversation with? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's that like, yeah. Um... I'm so glad that you cited Douglas and um, Robert and like I I spoke a little bit in another 
space that I was talking about to film in, um, about Romeo Bearden and like the use of hands um, and, and his collage work and how throughout there's like so many gestures of, I mean, but that is like the shout, right? You know, that is like, <laughs> that is um, black expression. Um, and that is multiplicity, um, which, you know, we are so used to a black static image, which is why like beyond collage, I love film. I, I, I mean, I, I have a deep appreciation for filmmaking, image making and image makers, like a, a lot of, you know, the folks that I'm inspired by. And I think y'all know this, but lived in LA briefly um, and really got into film and um, filmmaking and shooting a Super 8 and really getting into the filmmakers of the LA Rebellion um, movement, which spans like 30 years. I, I might have that wrong, but I believe it's like mad long, okay? Um, it is, it's like Watts uprisings right through Rodney King and like out there on after, I think there's films that are considered to be part of that movement. So. Uh, we're talking about a vast like history. Uh, we're talking about from Jerima, you know what I'm saying, on, you know, and Burnett, um, on and on and on and on. Um, so I, I'm definitely looking at them and looking at the radical tradition of, um, you know, cutting and sampling. And like back in the day, mind you, they were UCLA film students. So they're using a lot of, um, <laughs> like music of the time. They're like, no, I'm gonna put the Stevie Wonder song. I'm gonna make this entire film to living for the city. Uh, we don't really see films like that anymore, um, but I love that <laughs> because music, you know, they're working from a sense of like sound building and um, just like being in conversation with musicians of the time you know, even in this tight cohort of like small filmmakers who are coming up, like they're they're in conversation with musicians. So um, yeah, I, I think I take from that, like the film is score to an original score by me um, called For Color Girls, which is of course working title for Nitsaki Shange's For Color Girls Who Considered Suicide When the Rainbow Was Enough, which is a book that I've returned to Every, at least every year, you know what I'm saying? Read, like spend a day, like I need to read this book since I was 10. So that's like, I've been reading this book for 15 years. You know, it's, <laughs> I know that book um, inside out. Um, Mary J. Blige, who I believe to be, I mean, what a black cultural icon, like the songstress of our time. Like that's what our mom was listening to. So, you know, um, that's who she is like auntie, like for real. Um, that gets problematic. Cause I know like, I, there's like a was conversation around like black women being like I am not your auntie but I think Mary J Blige is cool and like understands that she is our auntie so I'm gonna call her that <laughs> um, and then you know you see like samples or clips um I sample Jay-Z sorry not Jay-Z <laughs> Kevin Jay-Z prodigy who was um a ballroom legend um his song I am a woman pussy pussy is in parentheses so um, and really like getting into the subversion of that and like what that looks like and gender expansiveness within black legacy, right? Even though that, that is a very contemporary take, you know, that language is, is contemporary. Um, I'm just interested in how 
the the many ways we're getting to a sort of gospel and building a theology. So yeah, everywhere from like Romare Bearden, right, to Mary J. Blige, to Ballroom, um, Little Richard, who I absolutely love. And I recently have discovered that I think I look just like him. Like for the past few days, I'm like, you look just like Little Richard. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm obsessed with that yesterday's his birthday. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I find, and my dad is, so I come from a long line of gospel singers. Um, my paternal gr- mother, grandmother, shit, is was an opera singer. Um, and then my her son, my dad, was in a punk rock band, but also like makes really cool. Like, I mean, he was also almost like nearly signed in the 90s and like was in a rap band. Um, and now just like does whatever. He plays bass, he plays guitar. And then my grandfather and my grandmother owned a record company. So and they both sing and my grandma still sings to this day, which I think you all know. So, you know, and, and she's in the film singing. So that there's, it is a, a, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very hard for me not to, my mom, like people are just walking back and forth. I'm like, great. But it's very hard for me to not um, pull from all of those references because they are so intrinsic to like my being and like my rendering, not only as a person, you know, um, but as an artist. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if I answered that. I kind of got all over the place, but that question is like, I don't really know, like if my family, I know my dad, my dad went to MCAT, so he definitely like is an artist, considers himself to be an artist. But, um, I think that my, the rest of my family members consider themselves to be black. And I think that is right. Like I get really um, I kind of reject or get uncomfortable when I like speak of myself as an artist. I know that I am one, I mean, undeniably. Um, but I guess when talking to like folks who don't consider themselves an artist, because I'm like, but you're black, you definitely have made some art before. I know you have, you know, or like, you're definitely an archivist. Um, don't let this degree, (laughs) newly acquired degree fool you. You know, I, you are a maker as well. And you're, and not only are you a maker, but the the images that you're making, the things that you are contributing to this very anti-Black world are significant, you know? Um, so, yeah. Resistance through lived experience. Um, and I guess, like, I'm curious how elements, like, um, I was supposed to, I want to word this in a way that is, like, I'm curious how in the tradition of lived experience as resistance, what do the incorporation of figures like Sandra Bland and us still being in the wake of that experience and what that meant culturally for us, you know, in the understanding of like the visual of black death becoming ungendered, even though we like, even though it is ungendered, you know, media wise becoming ungendered through what happened in fucking Texas. Um, And then also just your incorporation of an archive to a very specific type of community. You know, when you are archiving from the ballroom, that is a very different type of cultural specificity than the fucking barbershop, you know? And I'm wondering if you could speak to that a little bit now that we're off our technical difficulty break. Yes. Um, Sandra Bland, like, really shook me. One, she was from Naperville, which is, like, a suburb that 
I grew up in kind of, um, let's get, you know, for, <laughs> hold on, very much so South side Chicago, but, um, my paternal, like aunts and uncles, like just like mad suburban, like great. Um, so I grew up in, my grandma lived in Woodridge. My paternal grandmother lived in Woodridge and that's like a neighboring suburb of Naperville that all of my family members lived in. Um, and my dad lives in Texas. So I'm just like, what? Like, and you're a black woman, this happens to black women. I think, you know, growing up and understanding, yeah, I got, I, I really, one, I grew up in what I consider to be an Afrocentric household. Um, and it's the only reason I am the way I am. I'm like, y'all did raise me, right? Cause like things have changed. I think like, as you get older, you get a little pacified. <laughs> it's no shade, but it's just true. Um, and so, um, you know, I, Afrocentric households sent him to, you know, follow a very pan-Africanist tradition um, that's very patriarchal. Um, and that quite literally lean into and embrace a lot of the time, black male supremacy. Um, and so I really, I, I remember my first protest, I was about 15. And I marched for Trayvon Martin. I was like, this shit is crazy. Like, this is like Emmett Till. Like, I, that's kind of like all I can remember, which, you know, Emmett Till is from Chicago. So, you know, that I always knew Emmett Till's name. Um, my grandparents can remember that. And so, yeah, I hadn't really, that was how I became active, I would say, in the Black Lives Matter movement, which really sparked when I was like in high school. Um, and so, yeah, Sandra Bland just like, was an awakening for me. Now, mind you, have I experienced anti-Blackness by this time? I believe in 2015, I was just barely 19, maybe, can't count, so bear with me. <laughs> but um, had I experienced anti-Blackness? Hell yeah, absolutely. Had I experienced anti-Black sexism or misogynoir, how the fuck could I have not? I don't know. Can I curse on here? Hell yeah. I'm going to try not to because it's tacky. <laughs> but <laughs> You can do what you want to do. <laughs> I don't want to be tacky classy. But hell yeah. Of course, nigga. Um, but there's such a gaslighting in this experience of being a non-black or wait, I am black, a black non-cis man. Like you really will think, you know, the shit will have you thinking like this is a black man's issue. So just the way that like really disturbed me and like my mother who was like, that could have been me. You know, like when when that shit broke, we were just like, that could have been like any one of us. Um you know, and what that means, and that is really disturbing to me because she is not, a, she is, of course, she's the, one of the first Black women who <laughs> was victimized um, by the police state to go viral. But we're talking about years and centuries of state terror imposed upon Black women. So, that is the also that is the um gross sort of nature of 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 um the internet and like 
this sort of this moment in time where it's like, why just now in 2015 are we starting to understand? And the like, why does say her name have to be a hashtag? Which of course now is being used. There, like, there's hashtag say his name, and I'm like, woo. <laughs> what the fuck is happening so um you know I, I I kind of went I just have to speak through my trajectory and like my relationship to that um you know Sandra Bland you, like I love the way you put it we are in the wake of Sandra Bland we're still mourning her I, how could we're still in mourning for I mean for Trayvon Martin because what because ain't uh what's his face Zimmerman just walking about <laughs> like living quite cushy like you know um yeah so she absolutely revisiting that footage might I add where she's looking directly at you and literally archiving herself speaking through you know um and and, and she's also speaking to through some difficult things that um you know around this black black um oppression really being centered around a around black men and rightfully so absolutely because that's how we are taught to think you don't hear about black women getting lynched not that not that that absolutely did happen (laughs) like we're talking about the lynching tree we're not i mean of course lynching right but yes, black women were lynched, you know what I'm saying? So she's um, grappling with Black Lives Matter and which she does cite in a lot of these videos. Um, And um, she speaks about Trayvon Martin in these videos. It's just, it is a, it is, it's sick, you know? And it is, um, she's so beautiful. Her spirit is so beautiful because she really loved her people and was very, and and loves from beyond. Um, And I think she made sure of that by recording herself and making sure that, you know, um, that she was heard. And that, that is so, that there's a sort of knowing there too, um, that she would need to tell her story. And that's included in the film too, is that she's like, I don't want no one to say that, you know, I was not showing up for y'all. I am experiencing these things, which makes it difficult for me to show up, but I'm here and I'm still praying for you. Like it, it's a, it's a, it, it really gave me goosebumps. And I mean, it wrecked, emotionally wrecked me, um, that footage. So yeah, I, I, like I, I mentioned this to you, Reggie, before, um, and a couple other people that, you know, and my first draft I would say of the film um I showed it to folks and I there was I mean visceral response I mean it, it is it is jarring imagery I don't expect you know I know how it made me feel so I could only assume it would make other folks feel like okay this is some shit like this is some shit I have to sit with for a little bit like, I'm not necessarily okay um but they were like I don't think Sandra Bland should be in the footage like we're still warning her you know um but it also gave me an opportunity to work through her passing and work through the mortality of black women and black non-men, non-cis men, I should say, um, for once. I mean, I think that's it allowed me to, um, and, and not just for me, I mean, this is a selfish endeavor for sure with other folks in mind, but I did this work for me. <laughs> um, I think it allowed me to give her a a chance to see her. I mean, we saw her mugshot 
where she was like, there was so much confusion around that and so many theories around that um, where we saw her, we saw her in the afterlife. It was so important for me to include her living and speaking because we didn't really, that she has so much footage and had a whole life before, you know, someone took it. And then, um, you know, the Phyllis Hyman, the Phyllis Hyman um, footage is, I don't know, I just love Phyllis Hyman down. Like, she's so important. Um, just such an important person, a cultural icon, a Black lesbian um, who was so vulnerable, like, in her work and in her being. Just, I mean, every interview, she's like, I'm not okay. <laughs> like, let me sing this song. I'm gonna sing my song though, you know, but no, this shit's crazy. I'm not okay. Um, and that's pretty, you know, she's, she's integral to the piece as well. So they, I put those two in conversation with each other. Um, because I think they both had, they were, they were both very present and like honest with us, which is such a gift to, to receive and witness um, black women being that honest and not and saying, look, I'm not always strong. Like, where is that representation too? Even though this is beyond representational politics, because those that's that can get silly sometimes. But really, um, but if we are going to make images and make films, um, certain representations are important and important to see. And so, yeah, those. Those two, for sure, are like the hardest to sit sit with, but necessary, you know, to the film. And um, I kind of felt like, okay, I know what I'm making. Like once I came across those like two interviews, word. Um, word. I don't know. That's that's so engaging because I know so much of the film for me felt like you were literally just like I'm here, nigga. Like that felt like so much of the tone of the. I say my first watch of the film. You know, we get the intergenerational conversation. We see your relationship to the tonality of color. Like there's so many active active things in just the way the film is constructed. Um, but I'm gonna sit uh, with what you just said. I'm gonna let Xavier get at you because it was really interesting. Um, just this, what does it mean to give space while I'm here, you know? Like. It's almost like a, a call like that you hear that makes sense, like as a black person, like I shouldn't know Trayvon Martin's name. I shouldn't know Sandra Bland's name. I shouldn't know Emmett Till. I shouldn't know these people, but I do. Like, and I hear them like in a very real way, like, and it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about just the way that expression being, that expression to exist in films that we can watch, 
it's a rarity. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's even more rare now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've gotten really into my TV bag. Now y'all know y'all never hear me talking about no damn shows, which is weird. I kind of like watch Frasier. Yes, that's like my, that's like the show that I've been watching since I was, like since I was born. Um, Love that show. Kelsey Grammer is a Trump supporter. I'm like, I mean, whatever, Um, whatever that fantastic, like phenomenal writer um, and producer. And so, you know, I kind of was like, let me give Frasier a rest. Because I mean, I really am a student of like the the show deals with is is super psychological and dark and love it. And it really pokes fun at like whiteness. So I'm like, and I I think to be black is to be a student of whiteness. (laughs) I mean, it's not a thought. It is. Um, in many ways, when you're navigating this world, it's like, the fuck y'all got going on? Okay. Um, you have to have an understanding um, of whiteness to live in opposition to it. A lot of us don't live in opposition to it. And that's an issue. But, you know, at least that that is what we're, you know, when we talk about living as resistance, that's the goal is to be in opposition to whiteness, whether that shows up through white body or black body or Filipino body, I don't give who, whatever the fuck, white in opposition to it. Um, so started getting into shows and really looking for shows, like getting subscriptions to like, like okay, I have HBO Max because Michaela Cole, have y'all seen um, I May Destroy You? Watch oh, wow. shit. I I'm afraid. I'm afraid. That's 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 really what it is for me. The first week that shit dropped, I had so many loved ones call me. They were like, "Bro, you gotta watch this shit, but you gotta pace this shit." And that was enough for me to be like, "That's not the bag I want to be in." Only watched it. Um, I watched it with my partner, so I could be held and also have mental breakdowns. Then I could no longer do that with my partner. So I had to watch it on my own. I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm done with the show because I'm not doing this shit alone. Then I was like, wait a second. I love this show. This show is unearthing some things for me when it, in regards to sexual trauma, um, Black experience. And sometimes, admittedly, like as a Black American and just like, you know, being on the interwebs and mind you, I know Black folks across diaspora who are based in Europe, who are from Europe, um, but the sort of diaspora wars that go on, some of the content, I'm like, okay, like, especially like seeing so much like interracial dating for me, um, I'm like, Well, I see that in the Allstate commercial. Like, what is this really doing for me? Um, so, you know, there there can be a disconnect with a lot of um, the thing, the the I should say a lot of the work of, of in film that I was that I have received because I know there's so much out there. There are so many like there's web series and like I had that understanding, but you know, I've just immediately was like, I don't think that that's not what me and my homegirls are giving. Like, we're not giving that. We're not giving mingling with the others and, like, letting them do whatever. So, 
But Michaela Cole renders those sort of uh, understanding so well because she's brilliant in her directing and her acting and her writing um, and deals with something like date rape, which I was just like, is this trauma porn? Like, I don't want to say this, you know, because I grew up watching SVU and like being a survivor and being like, excuse me, next, <laughs> next episode <laughs> and eating dinner. Like, I hope the cops save the... It's crazy shit, but it's totally not giving that. Um, and yeah, I, I say, you know, this isn't, this is a Michaela Cole stand account. First of all, let's say that brilliant. Um, haven't seen work like that ever really, you know, um, but is, is for sure within the black radical tradition in Canada of just truth telling and storytelling and, and a very honest, um, and hyper-realistic way um which is like I think Xavier you said you know you don't really see that you do not see renderings of black folks you're like yeah that's believable we kind of have and I also am a, I am a scholar of Tyler Perry I aim to be a scholar of Tyler Perry um because his work is so important truly so you know I'm watching Tyler Perry film I'm watching things that I'm like wow this is so sick it's disturbing but I'm really you know I think throughout the pandemic I wanted something to feed me and like really I especially while working on this work I'm like no I want to be held <laughs> like I don't want to I can't keep watching Tyler Perry make black women uh, agents of the state or just self-hating self look like he's that man is spectacular, like in his, in his mind. I'm like, I would love to get an MRI of your brain, like what's happening in there. But, you know, I started watching Girlfriends and Sister, Sister and um, all the shows that were on Netflix. And I already been like on the Parkers, like there was this guy in Thailand who had been uh, um, uploading episodes of the Parkers for years. So me and him are like here with it. Cause I just be watching the Parkers. <laughs> yeah, the Parkers is like some of the only light-skinned media that I can really engage with i'm just gonna like media the parkers is painful for me and, and i think when i started to watch sister sister and, and girlfriends which kelsey Grammer, so there's like the fraser connection executive produced um again i was like the parkers is ridiculous because why is this fine at monique sagittarius queen bad bitch you know what i'm saying slayer of trade really did not have to chase after any nigga. Why is she chasing after this corny butch queen? This normal, come on. Say that. Say Yo, this, this pedestrian ass nigga. Yes, this pedestrian ass normal. He's corny as shit. But, that, but that's the bag, bro. Like I, I just watched Fatal Attraction again <laughs> last night and all I was, and all I was thinking, I'm like, yo, they really be having these most B-roll pedestrian ass niggas. Trying to frame them as incubuses. I'm like, this is not what's going on. I can't really, you know, I can't get into it. I can't get into how Countess Vaughn, I mean, you want to talk about a talent, a Black American talent. Countess fucking Vaughn is like, just so stupid. Like, literally, I'm like, is this ableist? Like, does she have, why doesn't she under, why doesn't she know how to count? Why doesn't she know how to count? And why is she in college? And why is her best friend a sassy white woman with braid, with box braids? what is happening but so that is but that is when i mean bush bush was president by then so we see a wave of multiculturalism regardless you know these are the shows that i'm i'm studying these shows specifically um because these are the shows that we grew up watching and um so these are the worlds that we grew up watching 
And these are, it is very much so, um, has a lot to do with the worlds that we grew up in and the world that we see today. I mean, they live with us. They live with us. They live in us. Um, they are us. But I think that's the the really interesting thing about Black, I think, television from that era. And like, I I have so many like little, I guess, inside jokes with homies just about this era of television because it's so specific, not only to being a nigga, but also like living in a predominantly black place. Like I, I, I definitely do think that there is a diasporic experience, but I do think there's a strong difference between people who like present phenotypically black or people that grow up in spaces that are predominantly black that I think like the way this media is intaked is a lot different. Like my family grew up, like I grew up watching Bernie Mac. Like that shit was on the TV all the time. As it should have been. And even now I come home, my dad still is rewatching this shit constantly. And I, I'm at school and I feel like I'm around like black folks who, not to say that like niggas are moving there. I mean, niggas are moving different, but yeah. You be around black folks who don't necessarily be from that space, and they just want to talk to you about the fucking Cosby's. I'm like, I'm like, nigga, the Cosby's were on, but that's not what we were watching. That's not, that's not what we were, not what we were tapping into. Like, was on, but it was not. It's not hitting the same way as Bernie Mac. Well, the Cosby Show was syndicated by the time for sure y'all were around. Like, I'm 25. My mother was watching Cosby Show. Yeah, literally my mom, my family grew up watching the Cosby Show. The show came out in the 80s, like, um, you know, and I, I extend compassion to a lot of um, Black folks who didn't grow up in chocolate cities or um, grew up even in the suburbs with like, you know, I don't know, or just didn't have, aren't, don't have a, don't have that experience of seeing themselves. I call it home base. They don't have a home base. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I I don't want to say that because I mean, <laughs> but 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 I know what I look. Yes, I agree with you. I'm 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 gonna stick with and I'm the reason I'm taking this approach is because it used to get very much so like you know you're going to art school like. I'm from here, first of all. You know, I'm going to SAIC. I'm like, hi, like, what's up? You know, it's giving very much so. I'm like, you're doing the thing? <laughs> Nigga, that's, are you good? But that's the scary I thing, like, especially in the academic spaces, because I feel as though, like, not, like, and I'm not trying to umbrella anybody's experiences, of course, because, like, I don't want to have to conceptualize what it's like to come into yourself surrounded around white folks. That's not, like, I... I that's not my bag. I'm blessed that that is not the situation that I'm in. But I think what's interesting about it is like, you see the small variations and conformities that take place subconsciously in those settings. And like coming from a place like the DMV where respectability politics are active, okay? Like nigga, I grew up in Maryland. Black folk be on their respectability shit. But it's so interesting to have that lens to look at you know, sister, sister, and have like, not even look at girlfriends and have like literally your established archetypes for what like different types of, you know, silhouettes of a black aesthetic could be. And then to be in spaces and see that like, I don't know, it's rough. And I think that that's why like, 
just to bring it back to the film is really interesting because it offers an area of projection that is generous, you know? Like, mm-hmm. nigga, everybody got a mother. Even if you don't know your mother, like we all came out of a vessel. And I don't know, I, I think that that's like really interesting as far as like knowing your interests in black representation historically and how you kind of like, as a historian are viewing things kind of cynically. Like, I don't know if that, Cynical as fuck, too. I mean, I'm a Sagittarius. So, Scorpio Moon. So, it's giving yeah. me very much so death. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I'm curious, how do you resist those iconographies? You know, like we, like, I mean, we niggas and we make it work, but also, like, we understand that it takes a certain level of identification, it takes a certain level of proximity to tap in what you want to tap into. And I know that you are very specific with how you maneuver not only who you engage with your media, but also like who you even talk to about it, you know? Mind you, yeah. I'm like a Chicago kid who was raised on a swamp, like at least a third, you know what I'm saying, of my life um, throughout the lives. And I evacuated from Katrina and and have a, a rich understanding that was very much so like a, a Creole, Louisiana Creole politic, um, Black American Southern politic of, you know, niggas of snakes. <laughs> like, and it's, and that can get tricky. That can get really tricky, but I am very quiet. I think I'm a bit on the quieter side. Like I'm, I'm very intentional of what I do share and what I don't share. And I think something as tender and like something with my family in it. Um, someone like spoke, I've gotten like reviews um, from folks that have been like, thank you for sharing, like, you know, letting us into see your family like that. I know that that like requires some trust. And it's like, I, it's not that I trust y'all. It's that I trust in the Lord. <laughs> like, I, we gonna be good. Um, that sort of vulnerability um, and iconography, because now I'm producing iconography of my family. Um, and my, this family that you're seeing are quite literally um, vessels of spirits that stretch beyond this land. And um, we are, you know, I'm a black indigenous American, so very much so, you know, my native answers, but we talking about before we got our asses on that boat, okay? Um, this is, it is beyond, it is it, to capture an image and to capture a voice and a sound of, of human beings that I am so tethered to spiritually, um, you know, is something. So yeah, I, you know, I, I have that, that sort of intention I have. Um, and I don't think, I think I kind of missed this in your lab in one of your questions, Reggie, um, about like my place in my family a bit. Um, you were kind of getting at that. Like, I think I take the role of a genealogist. I am a person who not only grew up on the swamp, but in wherever I was with my family, because my other family is from Arkansas. Um, and I'm quite close to them as well. I, I was a knee baby, you know, I'm on, I'm, I'm with the grown folks, you know, and I was fortunate enough to know two of my grandmothers who didn't pass until they were a hundred, you know, um, and had the chance to have conversation with them and study. Um, and now, you know, um, I study under my grandmothers as well and elders outside of my family too. Like I, I take to the intergenerational is so important to me. And as you said, at the beginning of the show, I work with youth. 
So um, I'm very interested in, in learning and being a student of history um, and through working with youth, very much so a student of the future and um, really grounding myself in truths, you know, beyond me, beyond uh, what's around me, um, beyond my personal interest as well. Just like really, um, yeah, just being grounded in truth. I think that I answered your question around iconography, but I feel like I'm missing something. Or do you feel satisfied? Okay, cool. Yeah, I feel fed. Um, I mean, like all jokes aside, I think that there is a real generous tone in the work in general. I mean, in all of your work, I mean, you are a sampler, you know? Um, yeah, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna give space to Xavier and then I'm gonna- that note on generosity. That's something I always think about when I'm viewing work, like what level of closeness is the artist sort of, you know what I mean? How wide open is the door, so to speak? And like, when I saw what I can perceive to be your family and watching your mother, like and seeing that semblance, like it was kind of terrifying as I'm watching this on the Gene Sisko site, like I was just like, like this, I'm having a thing with this. And I know like me and my people are not the only ones watching. So I, I, mm. I agree with Reggie, like that was super generous. Mm. And I know there's also this like, this overarching faith that wills you in a way and that's like i don't know anytime someone takes that extra like no like y'all need to see this like it always hits a little differently um yeah on another note on a brief note we the thing is happening again so we're i mean we're, we're close so we, yeah. if we just run it back one more time we'll be fine yeah. Um, yeah, I like, I'm like, mm -hmm, yeah, not because you're like, you did good, Jada, Amina, but I, I appreciate that. You know, I love you, you all dearly. Um, but I, I love art, as Reggie said, um, and I'm a student of art, and that is something that I'm looking for, too. We're looking to see ourselves in this world. Yeah, I mean, shit, in the worst ways, like niggas be projecting. I'm like, what? <laughs> you ever have a conversation with someone and you're like, no, that's you, nigga. <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> but we're trying to see ourselves. We want to be seen, especially Black folks who are living this, um, between or in this dichotomy, quite literally just we're suspended in a dichotomy of hypervisibility and invisibility and erasure. And, and it's like, all the time it's like so right so that's why representational politics i said they get silly um though significant and and of course you know has done a lot for us but it's, has also set us back because i'm like okay for example tyler perry has a show called sisters that's loosely based in girlfriends i have to get back into my tyler perry and girlfriends bag okay. um 
where and I, it's really not based on girlfriends. There's the silhouette that um, Reggie's talking about when it comes to, you know, the black professional character and the one that's a little more banji, like whatever, um, that that is present there. But they have a gay character and it's like, okay, Tyler Perry has a gay character. But when I say it is, he is, there's such a limitation to that. He's literally gay. He's not a human being. He's not a character who happens to be gay. He is a, a stereotype. Um, character type type thing like beyond like being obsessed with dick um there's not much to him and it's just very so it's like with the representational you know that that does get exhausting um and it isn't truly representative representative yeah it's not it's not what is it representing and it's dangerous it's it's quite literally dangerous because you have, I, I've watched it with family members who, you know, give very much so homophobic tease. And they're like, I love this character. I'm like, why? <laughs> why? Why do you love this character? Because it is a projection of your psyche. This is what a gay character is to you. Not a person, but a character of your own design, which is why, you know what I'm saying? That, like yeah. And, and so I'm attracted to documentary. My first um, dealing, I, I grew up going to an art school, like after school program. And I, I took a, I was on, I made a documentary film as like, and got commissioned for it or worked on it. I didn't make it. Let me get that correct. But I said, wow. And I always loved documentaries. You know, I was a very interested child and, and, and curious child. So, um, you know, I, I think that level of truth telling and documentary we know to be like the ethics of it often are shitty boo boo trash and just like should not be a thing. But I I like the real and I like the truth so much. Sagittarius vibes and you know raised you know very Christian and is with Islam and um, really interested in in that level of truth telling. Um, so yeah, um, but I will say that I I do write for screen. Like um, I'm interested in other formats of film, and you know this is something that I don't. I actually have another film that I'm working on called "We Wasn't Afraid of Snakes" that really looks at my grandfather and my relationship with him, um, and my relationship with masculinity. Um, you know, as a person on gender spectrum, like. Yeah. Um, and so I'm working with in, in archival footage and, you know, some footage of him, but um, that's something that I, I don't plan on using my family for the rest of my life. It is quite excruciating. Um, and I do want to work with like actors and I have been working with some folks to make some other things happen. But yeah, there is a generosity that I don't know how deserving the world is of that from me. And I think, um, you know, I, I watch a lot of folks who are like Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You is um, based on some of her true experiences. And I'm like, you're acting this. Like this is, this is it's a generous show in the ways that I love and adore that show. And I think Reggie, that's why you got so many calls. It's like, oh, this is generous. Um, but, you know, I also, I admire folks who aren't that generous. And I think there's ways of, you know, for example, films and, and other works that, um, are about are hyper real, but necessarily. Oh, we have less than a minute. <laughs> yeah, we'll come back in just a second. We'll come back. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, we're back. 
There you go. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I respect artists that are, I guess, less, um, I won't even say, I, so it's not like about a lack of generosity. I love that word and I love that approach to like viewership. Um, but, you know, art making is very tedious, good art making. <laughs> I mean, it should be tedious um, and it should bring it should be a gift to the artist and, you know, to whoever engages with, with the work. Um, I would, I would hope so. I mean, I get into trouble, you know, in school, I think Reggie has witnessed it because we, we had classes together where, you know, I'll be like, well, like, this is what good art is. And like professors would be like, no, like that is so, um, especially when we're talking about like art historians and I'm like really questioning, um, the sort of anti-black nature and cannibalism of the art world and I'm like that's not good to me like that's not good and they're like why like what may why good and bad is like subjective and I'm like right <laughs> I'm like absolutely it is subjective that shit sucks and it should be abolished <laughs> you know um and I, I think you know I've kind of grown from that or, or really gone on to understand um more of of that sort of undertaking of um, criticality when it comes to art making and um, the art world. But I mean, it doesn't make me respected anymore. And I'm, I'm one of, I'm very big on integrity and respect. Um, so yeah, I'll say this. Um, I, I think that as artists and as black people, we are supposed to bear all. Uh, we are expected to bear all, you know, Robert Ferris Thompson, which is a white man that I quite literally reference all the time, um, talks about the cool, the aesthetics of the cool and um, how we have to save face so often. And um, so many other folks talk about this as well, but let's specifically talk about a white man writing about um, our poker face. And uh, you can even look at W.E.B. Du Bois. I'm, I'm citing like ma males, which is kind of annoying, but you know, these are the folks who are cited often and are more familiar. Double consciousness, just having to, um, being expected to show up in ways that are quite um, dehumanizing, um, you know, or even like speaking, you know, I don't know if you all have experienced this, but I do know that you have. Um, just like kind of walking into a room and just like not being as chipper that day or like, and it's like, hey, like, hey, you know, just like being expected to perform. And so um, because trauma porn and black death specifically and um, is at a, has always really been um, so hyper visible in media. We're talking about, you know, 1800, we're talking about early media as well, newspapers. Um, now we have this thing called the internet. We are constantly seeing black death and it's inescapable. Like you have messages sent to your phone. You know, this is happening in this world. Um, I think it is really important that artists do set boundaries in their work. And so, you know, I, I look forward to doing that. I think a lot of that has to do with this. This is work that I was for sure called to do. But when we talk about budget, it's like, and, and COVID, right? Like there were some scenes that I wanted to shoot outside of you know, um, the people that are in my COVID bubble, but I'm not risking COVID because I have people in my COVID bubble who are almost 90. So 
Um, you know, shout out to those with budgets who are making work that, you know, is generous, but, you know, they're not, they are creating boundaries with the world. And I think those are necessary, you know, for, for our spiritual welfare and our personal welfare too, because niggas are evil. So, and the art world is very that. Me and Zay uh, were talking in our pre-production meeting and we were thinking about coming up with questions for your interview and how like we thought that would be limiting to your conversational style based off us shooting the shit sidebar off this. So we have like words and I guess we're gonna go back and forth. We're gonna say words. And I guess I'm curious how these words relate to your practice, your making, your being, and yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. It's like a game to me, so I love it. Word mapping, really. Yes. Where that takes you, where maybe those words in conjunction with the film, how that interacts, if at all. yeah, let's do it. This is exciting to me. Okay. And Red kind of like prepped me for this, so I'm like, bet, let's do it. Okay, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, you want to start us, Reggie? Uh, sure. Uh, melancholic. Melancholic mood. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like mood. Also, um, from like a medical like output, was quite literally like the aforementioned, or I, I should depression used to be called melancholy and um is prescribed to women quite often or was like a women's disease so love that word historical constant it's also like melody like it, it sounds pretty to say i think i learned that word at 11 too okay i'm gonna like they just random things come up for me okay let's do it keep going um I think that's, I think that I kind of like hit the nail on my head. I'm quite impressed with myself. I'm like, I know that I remember when I learned that word, like I was 11 and I literally was like mood. Hell yeah. <laughs> like I feel this because I was emo. So. Um, rage. Another mood. Um, rage shows up in my vernacular in many ways. Like the, uh, I, yeah. My dad is like a big um, raging against the machine, a rage against the machine, not raging, but rage against the machine fan. And like, so I grew up listening to that and um, I had rage issues. I, I don't really think I have rage issues anymore, but I like was like very angry as a young person um, and learned how to transmute that. And like, at this point, um, I, I've spoken on this a lot specifically on my um, Twitter that no one engages <laughs> with, but me, brings me so much joy. I, I speak to rage as like a giggle and um, rage as a resistance. Um, so yeah, I another mood for me, but I think raging, I think that's how like I learned the word, like what rage meant was rage against the machine. Stillness. something I'm not good at um (laughs) I don't like I I feel like I something that I'm walking into and I find it to be necessary but I still maybe I am getting better at it um in regards to the film you know there's not much of that even in the most still portraits of me self-portraits of me I'm like kind of rocking back and forth in a stillness um 
but yeah, I would say a necessary that we, we should all be working toward and exercising. Legacy. What was that? Legacy? Yeah. Um, top five words that I overuse and I wish I had a more expensive vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> legacy i think it's so like black american to like leg you need your legacy beyonce and jay-z have a song that's like legacy 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 <laughs> i'm like legacy legacy <laughs> when i say it i'm like exactly um because shit we need something you know to have to hold it's that's like it. you know legacy is tangible um and it's material um and it's future-based um but also so rooted in past like it's it's a necessary thing that I think we as black folk are um also like it's a farce as well because in many ways I reject the idea of like that sort of legacy because one it's like so rooted in like cis heteropatriarchy and like nuclear family it's like okay um what if starting off as the base as a black American that the word legacy will mean something different to you and so literally like, where is it? What is it? How do we build it? I'm interested in it because I am Black American and Black American politic. I, you know, in many ways, I'm like, I mean, it, tradition, you know, I'm, I'm sitting with, especially in my old age, I'm like, okay, uh, what am I rejecting? What am I embracing? But it is, it is, it is also so a farce. I'm like, what are y'all really trying to do here? Because, yeah, so, you know, but legacy is necessary and it, and it is tangible and it is material. Um, this is going to be my last one. I'm going to give you two options. You can speak to baptism or you can speak to water more generally. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to speak to baptism um, because I, so I've drowned a lot. Like I was forcibly drowned as a child in like a freak accident with another child, like crazy shit. Um, and I've drowned many times since then. So, um, and I like got baptized because I was really into Jesus. Like at a certain, I was 12, like in the seventh grade, I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to be saved, washed in the blood, sweetheart. Very serious about it. Um, have always loved water. You know, I'm a water moon, but have such a troubled, you know, wait in the water is like one of my favorite hymns has been since I was like three, you know, yeah, it's wait in the, you know, it just makes you, yeah, it's giving revival. You know, raised in the Baptist church, that's what you hear. Um, yeah, I don't know. Those are some of my experiences with water, but, and, and, and baptism. Um, I keep, a, I try to drink a gallon a day. Like I'm like over here, like <laughs> trying to meet my quota, but yeah, water is everything. Water is life. Um, like I said, I grew up, you know, visiting the swamp, um, born by people who grew up with people who were born by the river, born um, by the swamp. So yeah, it's everything. And showers are really sexy and important to me now. So I feel that Reggie tell you, I mean, we both be living that shower life. Like, you can't. Yo, it's so important. Talk about a reset. Literally, get your ass in the shower. Get your ass in the shower. You listen up. Wake your punk. It's time to get in the shower, man. I'm a person that showers at night, and I wonder, like, you know, Scorpio Moon. I, like, I, I like to shower at night. No, literally. Mina, do you take cold showers? Tap in. You got to tap into the cold shower. That's all I'm look, look, I have been weaning myself to that point because 
I realized like while traveling recently that like every place is not going to have hot ass water and then I'm going to want to get out the shower. So I have been, and even before then, I'm like, let me get into this cold water, you know, um, and then I'm using cold water on my face too. Cause I'm like, okay, I have to take care of my pores. I'm getting older. Like this isn't a joke. So look, I'm, I don't uh, I have one more word. I have one more word. Wait, hold up, Zay. I don't want to jump in front of you before you say last word because this is on track for this. Mina, just in a very small pocket right now, I need you to tap into cold showers and let me know how that goes for you. Oh, you know, we know we'll talk about it. Because that shit, like, this is not what this is about right now, but that <laughs> shit will change you, bro. That's all I have okay, to say. Period. You know, it's it's the Sagittarian, Sagittarian way to, like, be the ones to put on, and I always trust another Sagittarius and, like... Yeah, I also want to, I'm trying to, like, be immortal because I'm really turning a quarter of a century. So I will be taking a cold shower after this, <laughs> mind you. Fill it out. It's, it's good. It's, it's more than you expect it to be. That's all I say on it. The last word I have for you. Is yeah, that, I'm excited. Y'all talking about this shit like it's some shit for real. So. <laughs> the last word I want to use is a word that's so, yeah. But I definitely want to hear whatever comes. I'm excited. I'm like, what is a slave? <sighs> Me. <laughs> <laughs> um, what the fuck, yo? Like, slave is so. What song was I singing? Moody's Mood for Love yesterday. Do y'all know that stand jazz standard? There I go. There I go. There I go. Oh. Listen. To that's the name of that track. That's crazy. Booty's move for love. He goes, um, fuck. For you, I turn a slave. I can only, like, I don't know the lyrics unless I sing it. And I'm not doing any more of that in Q&As because I'm getting kind of out of control with it. But, um, yes, he said, he uses that word. And I literally just stared at that word. Like, mind you, I knew, I know I've been singing it. I've been singing that song since I was about 10 because I discovered that song really when Amy Winehouse's Frank album she she sings that song so and she's saying slave and i mind you it always triggered the fuck out of me i'm like what the fuck is you talking about but slave is um i don't know it's a word that is so loaded but i think as a black person like we have like joked about slave like it comes up for me like so often just being black like you sound like a slave or like you and i'm just like i don't how is that a word that i used in my synopsis I don't think so. Is that just a word you thought? Of? I mean, yeah, I, I know. I feel like, I feel very much so like, you know, we are slaves in the new conditions, you know, and yeah, but just like the way that word showed up for me yesterday and I really was sitting with that, like, what does it mean to like say you're a slave for somebody that you love? Like, I don't want to feel that. That's not but I also have known it. <laughs> I also have known it. So you know um, the Duval Timothy record slave, like that cut off their new project. You gotta listen to that track. Oh, I want to listen. And it's called Slave. That's it's a must awesome. listen to. No cap. That joint is beautiful. Oh shit! Yeah. yeah, please put me on with music because I like I really get into my bag like and be listening to the same two songs, but. Slave, I'm gonna have to sit with that. I'm not really impressed with like my answer or satisfied with it, but just know that like I've been thinking about that word and I think my sister called me a slave the other day and I was just like, that's so goddamn disrespectful. <laughs>
No, it it high key is, and it hurts more when it's coming from another black person. <laughs> like what? She's like, you look like a, something like. And it's like, what does it mean to like? Like, how do like our ancestors feel? But I also don't necessarily think that my ancestors like. I mean, I would like to believe that they weren't just like, damn, I'm a slave. So, uh, you know, and it's not limited to blackness, but also we are the global model. So I don't know. Mina, in our last, like, I guess, 20 or so, or just so, whatever you wanted to be minutes, uh, I was hoping that you could speak to what you would want viewers who haven't seen the film to get from it to say any personal reflections or if you even want to put on and talk a little bit about um other projects that you have coming up you know i have been so blessed by um what y'all have to say like those who have seen it for the first time um that i really don't know what i would like to offer viewers um I, I guess other than like words of like encouragement, like I, and um, you know, I just really hope that something can be taken from the work. I mean, I, you know, that folks can see themselves and see um, the beauty of this life um, beyond the, the, you know, the word that I use in my synopsis and that y'all brought up that I love so dearly, the melancholy, the sorrow, um, that there is joy to be had and there is love to be had. And um, something that didn't come up, you know, in work is really a phrase, um, is radical mothering. When we talked about, like, I think Reggie said, everyone has a mother, whether you know her or not, you know, we came from someone. And, Absolutely. And beyond that, even um, the mothering that we're doing for ourselves, you know, um, the radical mothering being beyond the maternal. But when I when I speak as speak to mothering, of course, that has to do a lot with the female body and the womb, you know what I'm saying? And the moon. Right. Um, but. The nurture um, and, and the sort of. Yeah, and just nurturing. And I'm interested in how specifically just generationally, like even in, in speaking with our, when observing our parents and other generations, it's like, you don't really, you're not good at taking care of you, are you? No wonder I'm struggling to take care of me or no wonder I'm trying so hard to learn how to mother myself. Um, you know, it is, it is, family can be so hard to watch. Sometimes you're like, oh, or friend, I mean, I'm extending this to friends and, you know, just humans. Um, it's like, you're not taking care of yourself, boo. I need you to go handle that ASAP. <laughs> you're scaring me. Um, so yeah, I, I, that it's, it's also very much so about that. Um, it's about seeing yourself and the importance of, um, taking care of yourself and you know another a project that I'm revisiting that I think that I started working on prior to I really don't know if I should say prior to and I didn't really talk about like my process as an artist or like why I you know struggle with um sort of my like artistic perception I mean I'm conscious of the way I'm perceived uh, as an artist and as a person um but I don't really post a lot of my work 
Um, I take a long time to complete my works. Like this, this film really started years ago. Like I said, a lot of the footage is from years ago. Wasn't necessarily sure that it would land here, like I said, but um, the archive building started a long time ago um, and will continue. Um, but I was gonna say, <laughs> it's really giving me ADHD, it's fine though. Um, I started writing an essay called Martyrs and, Daughter Martyrs and Daughters um, about martyrdom and about motherhood, um, you know, and about maternal legacies um, that I'm now revisiting now that I've kind of laid this down. I'm probably not gonna, I know that I'm not gonna approach this work again until um, the next, till the new year and really like aim to start getting some funding so I can outsource some things that, you know, I really want to have done to this work. Cause I'm, exp I didn't say this in this um, during our conversation, but this film in its current state is in an experimental edit mode. So I do want to get back into it. Like I noticed, like, I don't know how, it's no shade to the Gene Siskel, but I'm like, that is not how I gave you my subtitles, babe. But it's okay, we're gonna get those burned in because I want my work to be accessible um, for folks that are hearing impaired, et cetera, et cetera. But anywho, um, I'm just looking at um, martyrs and daughters and understanding martyrdom um, and not just the, not only the, the ways our mothers and beyond mothers, the, fo the folks that have nurtured us, the shows that have nurtured us, right? Um, we're talking about the Parkers, these, these worlds that we've seen, um, you know, what type of nurture and what type of self-envisioning does that impose upon us? Like, how do we live those things out? So yeah, I'm excited for folks to get into that bag. Um, and really sit with themselves. And I will also say that for anyone listening, like I welcome uh, feedback and I welcome, I, I think I'm a pretty approachable person. Like I'm not like shady <laughs> as others. <laughs> but I'm not I, I, I literally, I'm like, I'm making this work to be in dialogue with folks. So like, I welcome that. Um, I have an email address, but I also have an Instagram and I'm sure there's gonna be, I'm getting my press kit together, Xavier, Xavier, I always say, call you Xavier, it makes me feel silly, but uh, I'm getting my press kit together so that'll have some information, some contact information that folks can reach out to me on. But yeah, um, working on essays, those will be coming out. I like, don't know how I wanna go about publishing things. Um, in this digital world, I feel like I can just like self-publish and be good. I'm also working on an EP that I like briefly talked about and like music making is, um, you know, quite literally like my gospel and that's really getting me through. And I kind of, so this, this film I worked on, um, very much so at the same time as like a lot of the stuff that's going to go on the EP. So yeah, those will be in conversation. It's, it's going to be a great year. I think there's a couple of projects that I'll be pushing out sooner than later. Um, yeah. Word up. Well, thank you for being with us in this tumultuous time, giving us your presence and brilliant mind. Um, for those listening, please, if you have not seen this film, it's called I'm Not Going to Die. I'm going home like a shooting star. Go watch it. I promise. Watch it. You got till the 8th. What day is it? Today is the 6th. The 7th. The 6th. Okay. Y'all do got to y'all. Okay. Well, y'all don't have, I don't know how y'all see it, but maybe I'll um, send some links to folks. Who reach out to Amina.com. Jadaamina.com. Jadaamina.com. Yeah, I do have a website too that I'm like needs to be worked on, but it's cute. Go check it out. You can, Wait, you can plug the it. SoundCloud. Plug the SoundCloud, Amina. Go ahead and drop it. 
mind you, I'm like kind of in a in a weird space where I'm like, as a multi-hyphenate artist, like how much do I want my like to be housed? Yeah, but you I know, it's like, like I do it all. So look, Xavier tells me all the time. He's he'd be like, he's like, nigga. Well, like, you're calling Xavier Xavier. So I can call you Xavier. I do this all the time, Xavier. What, what, my, it's Xavier, yeah, it's fine. I get so insecure when I say your name. I'm like, Z Xavier. <laughs> I'm like, Xavier, it's just Xavier. Okay, Xavier, I'm saying it right. Ex- this is so embarrassing because I've known you for that long at this point. Xavier, though. But okay, you were saying, you, you talk about this with Xavier. Oh no, Xavier's always like out of everybody in our circle, he's the one, which is funny because he won't release any of his own fucking artwork, but he's always like, he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't understand, Reggie, you just, you're only posting your gallery stuff, like you don't have a whole EP out, why don't you just push that, why don't, don't, it's like, but I, when you, gentlemen, you spoke to uh, taking time with the work, and that's something I like cannot escape feeling like i'm like <laughs> you, will, you will get there though yeah like when it's ready yeah like i'm all like i'm literally always making stuff but i know it's a thing I know. gotta put it out there it's a thing it's a thing it's, it's a thing it's so funny though mina because he's literally the one in it's true multiple I'm, of our friends he'd be calling people he'd be like he'd be like bro why haven't you dropped so and so yet like just this is the thing. This is the thing. Y'all be putting stuff out. Y'all, that's y'all bag. Let me help y'all with y'all bag. <laughs> nah, yeah, I I feel that, and it is. It's it's a weird thing. I'm like, I don't want to like, I don't know. Like, is it ready yet? Um, but I mean, I felt good enough about putting this out, and like, I've been a lot of that footage. I've been like, kind of sitting with. It's been other things before, like it will come together and when it comes together it'll it'll touch people and you'll be proud of it but yeah don't just be putting out anything that you're not sure of because don't throw shit against the wall it's not the way but i love niggas like reggie you know what I'm saying? i know but i also have seen you in your bag like anytime i'm come over you're like oh i'm just painting an amazing portrait i'm like okay xavier <laughs> i'm gonna go home and eat the vegan version of hot Cheetos. Like, I don't know. Um, but Reggie, you know, you're putting stuff out. You did Acre, you know, you're doing a bunch of different things. Um, you you all have this podcast now, which is, am I the first episode? No, Ashova was the pilot. Cat Dog was the first, your episode two. So I didn't really know this was happening and maybe it's because I've been kind of incognito, like on the socials. I remember you all talking about this, but has this aired? Yeah, it's yeah, we're just really low key and trying to work through not being low. I'm key. like, am I a horrible friend? No, 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 no. You all yeah. just made a post about it, right? Yeah, I I made a post because I'm got... so ignorant. Yeah. This is yeah, I... this is still very fresh. Like, don't okay, work. Well, I'm happy to be here. Y'all are talk about generosity. I'm like, when I got that call, I'm like, was kind of confused. I'm like, so Reggie has a podcast. I'm like, it's already out. You know, really confused, but. Um, y'all are just so phenomenal and you all, I mean, beyond work ethic, like I said, you all are generous, like human beings and y'all are my niggas and I'm excited. Sometimes you are a frog. Literally. That's the whole kill. It's love always. That's the whole kill. Mo. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. But yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All of you check out the film follow 
Mina on uh, Instagram. Don't follow my Twitter. It's chaotic. But um, it's Premie TT at P R E M I E T E T E. It's cute. I love y'all so much. We'll be chatting. You know, we'll keep after this. To the Lumina. Uh, I'm going to end it and then call you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great.